On this week's pod, we've got Algeria as your AFCON champions, plus Riyad Mahrez clapping back to the haters, the haters being actual politicians. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've also got Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a Ferrari in the land among fiats, uh, talking that trash and backing it up. And then for a little history story time, we've got a little trip planned from, uh, from the capital of Russia to the capital of England in the land far, far away. Buckle up. It's Dead Ball Brothers. Welcome to Dead Ball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. I finally nailed that intro. You got it. I'm feeling good about it. You did Ah. it. As always... (laughs) (laughs) As always, I am everybody's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker-Snavely. With me is my real-life brother. I'm Drew Snavely, number one Aaron Juan Bissaka stan. Uh, Yeah, that's that's what I'm going with this this week. Are there, like, uh, competitions for that? I don't know. I hope so. Do they have, like, a... I don't know. Is there a hierarchy? Does it work like FPL or... Uh, Maybe. I'm not sure. You should you should research that. I should yeah. I'll look into it. Get on that. I'll I'll, I'll look into it. <laughs> uh, we Drew, we we have an African Cup of Nations champion. Yes, we do. And I feel like it's somebody that we weren't expecting. A surprise. I mean, I don't think I was expecting Algeria to win. Yeah, I don't think many people were. Um, but they did it. Anything can happen in a in a championship style format. And, and anything certainly did happen that in that goal. final because the physics got match fixy. It was ridiculous. It was like the way it hit because it's like you know like a twenty five yard shot. Yeah, very speculative. If it didn't hit any part of a defender, definitely would not even be on target or would easily be saved. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, instead goes on a Mary Poppins-style float ride. I don't even know how to describe the trajectory. It looked like a roller coaster. Yeah. Like... It completely froze the Senegal keeper. He just stood there. He just stood there and watched. Yeah. <laughs> like, somewhere over there. I watched, it, I watched the goal a few times, seeing if there was actually something the keeper could have done about it, and it would have been... A re- absolutely ridiculous save. Yeah, if he had gotten to it. Yeah, there's probably nothing he could do. About yeah, that. uh, that's, you know, sometimes them's the breaks. It's it's tough to lose a championship like that. But I mean, <laughs> it was like the last, like the semifinals and the finals. It felt like nobody wanted to win because <laughs> the semifinals had like the Superman punch into own goal combination had multiple missed penalties. It was just kind of like, well, somebody's got to win this, right? Yeah. It felt very fitting. Yeah. Um, Algerian fans around the world, super pumped. Awesome. Congrats to you guys. So pumped that they drew the ire of uh, some French right-wing politicians. Oh, uh, goodness. Uh, and in particular, Riyad uh, Mahrez. The GOAT. Had a great, had a great Twitter clap back. And a great free kick. Oh, great free Yeah, well, it was part of it. It was all one. Yeah. He made the free kick a yeah. part of the great clapback. But there's this there's this French politician. His name is uh, Julien Odoul. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. Because I've never heard of him before. And he's French. And he, he is French. You speak English. He's, he's French. Um, he is uh, part of the, I believe it's the Nationalist Rally is the party's name. It's headed by uh, Marine Le Pen, who 
was the person who uh, ran against Manuel Macron. Yes. Which is how you pronounce his name. Macron. Because I do know how to pronounce the French president's name. It just looks cool. It look it looks and sounds nice saying Macron. I don't know. <laughs> Macron. Macron. Macron, Ohio. Macron. <laughs> <laughs> Macron, Ohio. <laughs> Okay, Caleb Porter. LeBron James, just a kid from Macron, Ohio. (laughs) Uh, She ran against Emmanuel Macron. Uh, It was part of a wider, kind of the wider sphere of right-wing politics um, that I think in the American consciousness arose, uh, particularly when Donald Trump got elected as president. She was... Marine Le Pen is kind of that person that, and her party were kind of the people that were like, had those views that like Donald Trump ran on, but like actually believe them and they're real politicians as opposed to Donald Trump who is just like spewing stuff out of his mouth. A hot air balloon full of bile and McDonald's. But this isn't a politics podcast. Um, but here's the thing. Everything is politics. (laughs) And especially when we're talking about international soccer everything is politics it can't not be geopolitical like it just can't be when you have two countries playing against each other yeah so let's talk about Riyad Mahrez Riyad Mahrez says you know to this guy who basically in the uh quarterfinals semifinals against Nigeria semifinals semifinals sure semifinals um that to stop the tide he doesn't say tide of Islam (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he's like to stop to stop all this like the, essentially like the, all this Algerian noise to stop the tide of I believe he says Algerian flags in the streets of France uh, cheer for Nigeria today and terrible <laughs> Rian Marez hits that free kick in the 95th minute then gets on Twitter and says uh, that free kick was for you we are all together and then has a picture of the Algerian flag and the French flag next to each other Boom, roasted. <laughs> Got him. Because <laughs> uh, here's the thing. That that whole party is running on, like, super anti-immigration rhetoric, and the whole thing is like, oh, we shouldn't have Algerians. Like, oh, they're tired and sick of these Algerians in France. If you don't like it, then leave. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Who colonized Algeria for 132 years, Drew? I'm I'm going to I'm going to take a guess and uh say France. Who ran a campaign in the mid 1900s to try to assimilate the country of Algeria into France, Drew? Uh oof. I'm going to guess France again. Who post World War II heavily encouraged Algerians to immigrate to France because there was a shortage of manpower to work places? Uh this one this one's tough. Uh, mm, France. It's France. France. It's yeah. France. The answer is France. Okay. The only reason there are there are Algerians in France is because of what France did. Um, and so that's that's part of your history, and, and you're gonna have to deal with that. That's the tea. That's the tea. Yeah. <laughs> it has been port. Um, and uh, congrats, to Algeria. Uh, I hope you continue to celebrate your hearts out. Massive victory. Big time. Awesome. Great stuff. Great to see Riyad Mahrez winning championships once again. Hair on point. Hair on point. I was going to say fleek, but that's, <laughs> that word is reserved solely for eyebrows. Oh? Yeah. Okay. So Fair. Let's move on to uh, MLS. A little El, El Trafico? El Trafico. I saw, I saw some LAFC fans trying to call it uh, uh, LA Guerra or La Guerra. 
but like stylized like it's la guerra okay. so it'll be like the war okay um and lafc fans wore like camo in the supporter section to this game against la like they they wore fatigues and stuff oh like they dressed up like it was like oh <laughs> this is a, a war it's a war now baby <laughs> um it oh, didn't turn man. out very well for them <laughs> no absolute cracker of a match <laughs> yeah um, and they say that. there was there was uh, some drama leading up to this match, Adam. Zlatan Ibrahimovic never uh, one to shy away from from controversy or saying anything that he wants to say. You know, as Zlatan is wont to do, did an interview, and uh, in it he said several things, including that he is right now better than Carlos Vela is right now. Yes, debatable. Yes. <laughs> um. Also that he doesn't think that MLS wants to be good right now because they just want to make money. Good luck with that MLS. Yeah. I kind of I kind of I see where he's coming but also I don't like a bunch of his points fair that particular point. I don't know if he knows what he's doing and all that. It's whatever. It's a thing. Um but that's that's just the way that it goes. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So, I mean, it Zlatan, he backed it up, though. He did. He went into the game and he backed it up, absolutely. For those of you who do not know what El Trafico is, it is a match between LAFC and LA Galaxy. I think the nickname is hysterical. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. I, I know there's a bunch of people who are like, oh, it's like, it's funny. Why should a rivalry be funny? Like, just let it be what it is. Like, the fans were the ones who came up with this. The, Based on the fact that LA traffic is horrible, like yeah. that's funny. Like I, I don't, I don't care about it. The first goal was a worldie. It must Goodness be said. gracious, it was insane. He went and then completed the hat trick, um, and Carlos Vela tried to respond, almost did it, didn't quite. Game ends three two. Advantage Latan. It must be said. Hat trick, greatest trash talker of all time. I don't know if I've. I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen a professional athlete talk so much trash and then back it up as much as Zlatan does. Zlatan definitely backs it he up. He always backs it up. And and I mean, like, if if we're talking right now, who I would take between Zlatan and Carlos Vela, I'm taking Carlos Vela, like, absolutely. But Zlatan is like an all timer. Yeah, I at, mean, ba- at backing that trash talk up. Poor Carlos Vela. I mean, that dude is just. Having himself a, a great year in MLS, he's trying his best. He's working hard, minding his own business. And then the interviewer who's interviewing Zlatan Ibrahimovic basically hands Zlatan a loaded gun, asking him if he's better than Carlos Vela. Obviously, and obviously Zlatan's gonna be like, "Uh, where where is Carlos Vela playing in his prime? <laughs> uh, the MLS. Where did I play in my prime?" Do you know where I was when I played in my prime? I literally don't because you play for so many different clubs. <laughs> we get it, Zlatan. You you won a lot of championships, and that's something to be proud of. You're a little too proud of it, but hey, you have a lot more championships than anybody else. So he's got a he's got like a bunch of championships, but also like he's kind of like I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen Zlatan like put in that championship game performance, you know? Mm. I don't know. El Trafico. <laughs> That's not a championship That's game. That's not a championship that is game. A, that is a regular, regular <laughs> season game. 
<laughs> and it should be noted that he always plays for Giants. Yeah. So he's like playing for Paris Saint-Germain for yeah. eight seasons. Ooh, I won the Coup de France <laughs> with Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> Definitely more competition in La Liga, but it's literally just Real yeah. Madrid, Barcelona, yeah. Atletico. Yeah, and he was with Barcelona. Uh, yeah, you know he's with every single big Italian club that yeah. there possibly was, so it's impossible for him not to win something there. It was with Manchester United won he the league cup. Was he won with that, that Manchester United that crispy Carabao Cup? Won that won that uh, Europa League. <laughs> Ooh, the title. Europa League title. Yeah, <clears throat> so that was that was pretty nice. <laughs> Bless up Zlatan. Bless up Zlatan. I think that's. I think that's it. I've got a story for you. Yes. If you're ready for it. Yeah, I was just going to say it's it for Zlatan related. I know news. it might not be like, it might be a little disappointing following up Zlatan, mm. but uh, everything is. Everything is. So we're going to try to make it as good as possible. So uh, kick it with us for a second and we'll be right back with a little story from yours truly. And we are back. Adam, you have a story for me. I'm excited about it. A little preseason history, Preseason history. Not exactly preseason, I think, in the grand scheme of things, but very similar to what we've been experiencing in the last couple of weeks here. Okay. In terms of clubs that are going everywhere, doing their little preseason tournaments, having friendlies against other big clubs, that sort of things. I think we're going to run to a point where we've made a habit of these historical stories being like somewhat applicable to some point yes. in the current game. Yeah, we have been. We'll probably run into a point where it's just like, I'm going to tell this story because it's funny, um, or it's weird, or I want to tell it, which yeah. is fine, but I have a little bit of a a jumping off point for this one. But not today. (laughs) That day is not today. (laughs) So what with the International Champions Cup going on, seemingly... Very prestigious. Every European club in preseason participating in some sort of, like, slightly farcical tournament that could possibly be described as a cynical cash grab featuring substandard players taking advantage of foreign audiences who will pay a premium to see their favorite club who they never get to see in real life because ain't nobody got money to fly to England or Spain or Germany or Italy. Did you rehearse that in a mirror? No, it's just written down right here. (laughs) No rehearsal, baby. So this one fits in pretty nicely with where we're at in terms of that. One of the OG friendly tours for a club that turned into kind of a not-so-friendly tour. Oh, no. We're talking Dynamo Moscow. Oh, goodness. Going to England in 1945. 1945? That's not too long ago. No. It's still still black-and-white picture land, but... 70 years? Yeah. Not bad. So... Following the close of World War II, we pause now to make the obligatory World War II jokes. Yeah, there aren't any jokes. No jokes there. It was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. Yeah. Following the close of World War II, (laughs) 
The Football Association was looking for a way to reintroduce soccer back to the masses with a bang. Not like a literal bang, because, you know, London was still in pieces and bombed. Um, but they, yes. they wanted they wanted to, the excitement. They wanted the people to be like, well, pow, yeah, soccer, again. Boom. Um, so an idea arose to bring a Russian team to England. Because... Directly after the war in which the Eastern and Western fronts um, in Europe kind of all converged in Germany. Yeah. So the Russians and the Allied forces on the other side with the U.S., France, Britain, all these forces. Yeah. All kind of pushed in from the West. Germany is pushing in or Russia is pushing into the East. And everybody kind of collided in Germany. Hitler shot himself. War's over. Huzzah. Or did he? Um <laughs> <laughs> that's a different podcast man <laughs> come on you can't be changing our whole thing in the middle of the podcast we're I'm in sorry. episode five it's too many conspiracy theory videos <laughs> i guess so everybody's converging in germany and after kind of immediately after the war you have all of these different countries that are playing each other and well they're not playing each other they're all these different countries that are in the same space and a few like military teams arose to like to play each other okay so there was a, a series of like games they're pretty informal um but there was a soviet union military 11 which beat an english military 11 and a french military 11 kind of surprised some people some yeah. people caught wind of it that's pretty surprising they weren't expecting it to happen um so the fa was like what if we invited the russians Smooth things over a little bit. There possibly. was an idea. Well, it was. It wasn't before. It was. This is pre Cold War. I mean, it was pretty. It's a pretty quick turnaround from World War Two yes. to Cold War. Very, very, very tight window. Yeah. Here. So I, I guess we're so. talking post World War Two, pre Cold War. People are still fans of the Soviet Union at okay. this point. Okay. Because as far as they know, they are like kind of the conquering heroes of the East. To help us win World War Two, tons of sacrifice that we almost lost. Yeah, right? especially yeah. especially for the British people, because like that like reality of almost losing that war was like fresh. Yeah, so big fans of Russia. Yeah, makes at, sense at the time. Makes sense. Yeah, the FA quickly threw out the idea of having like a proper international friendly because uh, the English, to the surprise of no one, fancied themselves as the best in the world yes. at the time. Um, that's, that's always the case though. <laughs> you say at the time, but they always think that they're the best in the world. Well, you know, Premier League is the best league in the world. Premier League, Prem, <laughs> uh, they had never lost a match at home internationally. So they're like, we don't want it to be an embarrassing kind of trip. We just want to beat the Russians. We don't want to murder them. Yeah. Um, Russia, on the other hand, uh, at the time of this, like in the in the soccer world at this time, was still most famous for losing to Germany in the nineteen twelve Olympics by a score of sixteen to zero. Rough. Um, worse, worse than the U.S. women versus Thailand. Yeah, it, it kind of it sounds like a Buffalo Bills New York Jets score is what it sounds like. Ugh, brutal games, man. Go Bills. <laughs> Go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs> 
Um, still, the idea that these Soviets could possibly put up a fight against some club teams seemed like an intriguing prospect, and the public was still very pro-USSR because of the whole recent beating the Nazis thing. Yeah. Um, so a plan was put into place to invite Dynamo Moscow, who were the champions of Russia at the time, to tour England and play a series of friendlies. The Soviets agreed on on the condition of uh, the FA meeting 14 requests. 14? Um, 14 requests. Wow. They met most of them. Okay. Um, this included stuff like uh, they wanted to eat meals only at the Soviet embassy. Some people thought maybe they were afraid of getting poisoned. Uh, they wanted to have at least one match refed by a Soviet official. Um, this was because the English game was like a lot more rough and tumble than the Russian game gotcha. at the time. Um, and the, the really super big one, the one that was like, this one is like a make or break type of thing. They wanted to play Arsenal. Uh, like got they're they're gunning for those gunners. We wanted we're coming to England. We want to play the gunners. Okay. And the FA agreed. Weird. Weird request. Why Arsenal? Well, at the time, Arsenal was the best team. They were number one. They were They were definitely the most progressive team in England, and they were kind of considered, especially pre-war, to be like the top team or at least one of the top teams in the world. They're definitely the best English team. Crazy how times change. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, similar to Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, I I figured that was coming. You know... (laughs) Yeah, I can dish it out. I can take it. All right, good. That's good. <laughs> so the FA agreed. The tour got set up. Dynamo Moscow was going to England. Now, before they left, the team had a meeting with their club president, the sporting director of the USSR, and one Joseph Stalin. Oh, nice. <laughs> good old Joey Stalin. Head honcho. Yeah. Uh, who made clear the terms of the trip for them. Um and requested, parenthetical, demanded, okay, that they not lose to any of those bourgeois capitalist English teams. A, a simple request. Just a simple request for you all. <laughs> you don't want your families disappearing on you, do, oh, do you? That's terrible. Mm. It probably happened too. That's some motivation. Yeah, it didn't happen. Also, no, I was it saying, didn't happen to them. Uh, it, it probably happened to it, someone else. It probably got th- the threat was probably proposed yeah to the players yeah joseph stalin was trash don't be an embarrassment to the ussr Yikes. or else also before they left as a little insurance policy dynamo completed a series of short-term loans from other russian clubs uh including rivals cdka moscow which is now cska uh yeah makes sense to basically they they formed like a, a soviet national team under oh. the banner of Dynamo. Cool. <laughs> like, they're just like, we're going to take a bunch of loans out for the best players from all the other teams. Yeah. We need an, it's, it was like uh, an MLS all-star type, type deal where they, yeah. they get like the best collection of, of players from around the league and they face a top European club. Except, or, except like the English have no idea. Yeah. The English don't know who the best Russian players yeah. are. They yeah. They have no, they have no idea. They all have the same last name. Yeah. That's what it looks like at least. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, Meanwhile, the English were off being pompous asses about the whole thing. Uh, This is a quote from Frank Butler in the Sunday Express. Okay. They are not nearly good enough to play our class of professional teams. Their players are simply a set of very earnest amateurs. I say this confidently. 
In three hours football, they look an ordinary lot. Now, it may be argued that they are reserving their real form for the Chelsea match. I won't have that. No set of players is clever enough to hide its form over three hours. There must be a flash of form. But none arrived from the Russians. They have a fairly good idea of passing, but nearly all their work is done standing still. And I think they are so slow that you can almost hear them think. Oh, man. So just fundamentally flawed <laughs> from a from a soccer tactics and ability standpoint that in the be. eyes of the English. The, the this is it's home. This is this is the this is the realm of time when football is home. <laughs> it's coming home. It's not coming home. It is home. <laughs> football, football is, is home. home. Soccer for for those of you who are unfamiliar with the British English language. Uh, just so you know, it's called soccer. So, Dynamo Moscow arrived in England. Um, and after some snafus in terms of the greeting they received by the English, uh, there was a Russian like radio commentator said, In England, the fatherland of football, we were met according to the English fashion, rather dryly, without flags, music, or flowers. Officials of the British Federation coldly shook our hands and then threw us to the journalists to be torn to pieces. <laughs> Well, I mean, what what did they expect? I mean, it's a, it was basically like a PR stunt from from the English. But apparently, the perspective. The, apparently, like the press and the thing. Uh, so here's how things worked in the Russian league. The soccer players weren't celebrities. Yeah. Um, like the MLS. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> Man, ow! Ah, hit me right here. Just saying. Right in the feels. Who, who was it? Uh, Thierry Henry, who said. He liked playing in MLS because he could walk down New York City and nobody would stop him for a picture. That is what he said. <laughs> in fairness, I think that would change now. I feel like a lot more people would stop him now. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. One, one would like to think. One, one would think. <laughs> um, so these people were like players and in some sense professional, like kind of maybe even like semi-pro, not like full professional um, but they weren't they weren't famous. They weren't getting interviewed after the games type of thing. Like that's just the way it was in Russia. Yeah. It was a very different beast in England that they were used to. Yeah. Um their original lodgings also were like an old military barracks because like so much of England was destroyed that yeah. they had trouble finding a real place for them. But and the you place got, you gotta the, utilize that. The, that the place stuff. they did find had like cots with no bedding or anything like oh. that. And so they were like very pissed and trying to to get trying trying to find a place to actually sleep. Yeah. Um they found they they stayed over a night in like the Soviet Union embassy and then finally found them all rooms at a different hotel. Um so some snafus upon landing. Yeah. But uh Dynamo finally found some like basically got all their needs taken care of and they prepared for their first game Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Let's go. Chelsea at the bridge baby. So, some 90,000 estimated people crammed into Stamford Bridge for this match, which is not, which is much higher than the capacity of the I was going to say, do you know how many people it is? Because from a Manchester United perspective, I know that Old Trafford would be easily able to oh fit 70,000 fans. the worst person in the world. <laughs> Whether or not there are people in those seats is a different question. Taylor Rockwell would love you. <laughs> so, no, especially at the time. Yeah. 
there was not 90,000 seats in the stadium. Um, many people with tickets were, like, left outside because so many people were, like, getting into the game illegally and just, like, cramming into the stadium um, that several resorted to scaling the outside of the terraces to see the game. Okay. Uh, a few fell... Bold. A few fell through the glass ceiling of the main stand. That is terrible. Uh, Did they die? I don't think so. I didn't see anything about people dying. Goodness gracious. Hopefully they landed on other people and it (laughs) softened the blow. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So, and and there were people that, basically the overcrowding was so much that, like, people had gone, like, past where the stand stopped, and it was, like, they were almost to the sidelines. So it was, like, an NBA game. Yeah, Basically, <laughs> like, courtside seats. Spike Lee was sitting there yeah. <laughs> trying to trash talk. Spike Lee and Drake. And Drake. Drake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so many were curious about this Dynamo Moscow team, but pretty much everybody expected Chelsea to run away with it. Yeah. Because... Clearly, they're duh. superior. Um, at first, Dynamo looked a little contained. Um, in Russia, the way when they played games and the crowds that were there, the crowds like kind of quietly followed the match and they like clapped and whistled in appreciation for like certain plays. Okay, but like it wasn't like a we're gonna cheer ninety minutes type of thing. Yeah, <clears throat> and so England, like playing in England at Stamford Bridge in front of this crowd, was essentially like Mad Max to these guys. <laughs> like. <laughs> They're trying to pass the ball. There's an English dude on the sideline three feet away from them screaming, Witness me! <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. The, the pressure was, like, real. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea got out to a quick 3-0 lead that they would take it to halftime. Um, Solid. would have been more if not for uh, Dynamo goalkeeper Alexei Komic, who was known as the Tiger. Ooh, Nice. I've noticed that we're also big on finding goalkeepers that are nicknamed after cats. Exotic cats. <laughs> Exotic cats. <laughs> um, Komic played the game of his life, and coming out of halftime, Dynamo started dialing in their game a little bit more. Um, managed to really, really disorganize Chelsea's back line. Game ended 3 3. Whoa. They got the draw of the bridge. Came back. The spectators wow. swarmed the field and lifted the Dynamo players on their shoulders. Um, and These were just, were these Chelsea fans? Yeah. Well, oh. these, these were like all English fans. Fans kind of, of football. Fans of football. I, I would Bruv. imagine there's several Chelsea fans, but people, they were kind of, it was like a feel good story. Okay. Like, oh, cool. like these Soviets can actually play. That's awesome. Look yeah. at this comeback. Um, a quick tactical note. Dynamo played a style known as Pasovochka. Okay. Is that um, Russian? Yeah. Kudos uh, on the pronunciation. Thank you. Pasovochka. I'm sure that that's not... My Russian will be tested <laughs> in, in this. Um, it was a very quick technical style that relied on fast passing, and Dynamo were set up in a 4-2-4 formation. Um, nice in which the front six players were constantly moving and swapping positions off the ball. Um, it relied on peak physical exertion by the players, and people were like, people got really tired really quickly playing it. Yeah. Um, but also it was super confusing to defend. Um, so a couple quotes from the Chelsea players. John Harris, who's a center back, 
said, Dynamo is the best side I've ever played against. What? Um, Albert Tennant, who's a fullback for Chelsea, said, the Russians were on the move all the time. We could hardly keep up with them. So, probably people should have figured out by now that these aren't just a bunch of farmers. Well, I yeah. I feel like if there, there may have been some people who were like, uh, yeah, you, those players had to say that. Because if they didn't say something like, this is the best side I've ever faced, it's a complete embarrassment to English football. Right. And then the next game happened. Cardiff City. Cardiff. They went to Cardiff and they punted Cardiff City into orbit by a score of 10 to 1. All right, but were these players, like, tested? Because, <laughs> okay. I mean... Come on, dude. There's a little history. Come on, dude. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they're clean. Come on. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure they're clean. All right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> after that aside, uh, Cardiff was a third-tier side, and so... But they got that game because everyone thought that that's, like, the level that Dynamo would be at. And so they were like, well, we don't want to, like, beat the pants off of every game. We want to give them a chance in one of them. Yeah. And so we'll give them Cardiff. And okay. And they, like, crushed Cardiff in the <laughs> ground. Uh, shouts out to Wales. Shouts out to <laughs> Wales. Taking one for the team. All this led up to the match with Arsenal, which was the most progressive team in England, renowned as one of the best, if not the best team in the world. Um, and Arsenal were kind of sweating a little bit. Um, yeah. After seeing what Dynamo was putting out, yeah, they were also down their captain and like one or two other players that hadn't yet returned from military duty. Oh no. Um. So, after seeing what Dynamo did, I mean Chelsea and Cardiff, Arsenal made some last-minute loans of their own. <laughs> oh, nice. From other sides around England to create something of like an unofficial international match. This is essentially the USSR versus England. That's incredible. Under the name of Dynamo Moscow versus Arsenal. <laughs> uh, this was the match that Dynamo really wanted. Um, and also this was the one that happened to be officiated by the Russian official oh, no. that they wanted to happen. Nice. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, also, somewhat ironically, uh, the game was played at White Hart Lane. <laughs> okay. Uh, because Highbury... Were, were the Spurs in existence yes. at, at that oh, point? Oh, they very okay. much were. Okay. And, it yeah. very much, and it was very much a uh, rivalry. Yeah. They, they hated each other. Yeah. Um, but Highbury, during the war, had been used as like an air raid control center. And it wasn't ready to host games yet. Okay. So White Hart Lane was the next best thing. Gotcha. So. That's crazy. Yeah. But cool, I guess. But cool, I guess. <laughs> so, this is when some shenanigans begin. Yes. On the day of the match, the fog was so thick you couldn't see the other end of the field. Oh, no. <laughs> um, everyone expected the match to be called off on account of that, but referee Nikolai Lachyshev before uh, brought the teams out and got the game underway. The show must go on. As Dynamo coach Mikhail Yakushin said before the game, to come to London and not play Arsenal would be like visiting Cairo without seeing the pyramids. Mm. So, basically, the Soviet official was in charge of this one, so the Soviet official was like, it's happening, baby. <laughs> show must go on. Joseph Stalin's in his ear. He's like, you better get this game going or else, buddy. 
Maybe probably, a bit. probably. Dynamo managed to score within 30 seconds of the game starting. Oh, no. But match commentator LV Manning missed it because he couldn't see that end of the pitch. Goodness gracious. He was busy describing the crowd and the glow of thousands of cigarettes. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, it's a thousand little bonfires. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Dynamo scored. Uh, the game was as murky as the fog around it. Arsenal came back strong as Arsenal was want to do as probably the favorite side. Yeah. And they scored three goals oh, in the wow. first half. Okay. To uh run up the score to three to one. Remember when I said that the the Russian style was all about like running at your max as hard as you could and all this like stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So it scored a lot of goals. It also gave up a lot of goals. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> it wasn't exactly the strongest tactical formation there has ever been. Yeah. So Arsenal's up three one. But Moscow bring it back. They score on either side of the half to bring the game to three apiece. Meanwhile, both teams are trying to give themselves some small advantages. George Drury, who played, he was an inside forward, which is what it was known as, the position. Yeah. An inside forward for Arsenal was sent off. But he snuck back on the other side of the pitch a few minutes later. Oh, no. And wasn't noticed due to the fog. Oh, my goodness. Strangely, referee Lachyshev had stationed both his English linesmen on one side of the field and himself on the other side of the field. What? So he wasn't in the middle where he could more easily notice such things. Wait, so he had both linesmen mm-hmm. on one side? Yep. That doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. Well, whatever, I guess. <laughs> Get how you live. Yeah. Um, Dynamo also made a substitution. Oh, the another reason that uh, Dynamo Moscow wanted there to be a Soviet ref for one was because in England at the time, substitutions still were not allowed. Oh. Um, but in Russia, we- they were. Yeah, remember like remember in the very first episode when I talked about Dick Kerr ladies and they had that one game against France where like one of the one of the girls got knocked out cold and they had to play with ten men the whole yes. game. Yes. No substitutions. Ten women. Ten women. Yes. Yes. Um no substitutions. Okay. So no yeah. su- no substitutions were allowed. Okay. The, the more you know. We're learning things ourselves. But when there's podcast. a Russian referee when there's a Russian referee, substitutions are allowed. Subs are allowed. However, <laughs> Dynamo made a substitution and then failed to send a player off when a new player came on. Yeah. So they were playing with at least 12 players on the field for a solid 20 minutes of the second why half. And honestly, why not? You know, Some suggested they had as many as 15 on the field at one time. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> and nobody knew because the fog was so thick. Why? So it's just Arsenal had a guy sent off that came back on the field because he could sneak back on. So Moscow was like, okay, we're going to take our advantage back and take 15 people and put them on the field at the same time. We have three goalkeepers, baby. <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> Funny you should mention goalkeepers because that's going to come back up. The Tiger. Lachyshev, no, not the Tiger. Oh, the okay. Arsenal keeper. Lachyshev okay. controversially called back an Arsenal goal in the second Ooh. half that seemed to be like there was nothing wrong with it. He just called it back for something. Yeah, when this story started, I was like, there's definitely going to be some... He VR'd it. <laughs> <laughs> some questionable calls from the Russian referee. Um, Only for Dynamo to score the late goal to put the Russian Ooh. side ahead. 4-3. to three. The game finished with Drury still on the field after being sent off. Uh, Dynamo... 
having to send off their extra player or players because Arsenal figured it out. And and so Lachishev like said like you gotta send off your extra players um, to make the field even at eleven versus eleven again even though it should have been eleven v ten yeah seriously <laughs> and funnily enough legend would have a a spectator in goal for Arsenal what late in the match Arsenal's keeper knocked himself out cold against one of the posts trying to save what. And the story goes that a fan took up his place between the sticks <laughs> to finish the game. What, did he, like, take off his keeper uniform and his gloves and everything, and there's just, like, this nude body in the <laughs> in the goal that's the keeper he's knocked out for the rest of the game? I like this to fan think that just... this guy was, like, waiting for a shot. <laughs> he was... He had, his, coach. he had his full kit on underneath, underneath the coat and the little, like, uh, the little... Uh, Peaky Blinders hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rips it off. You probably don't even <laughs> notice. Knocked the gold. He just rolls him back into the goal a little bit. Yeah. Gloves on. He's like, right, ready. <laughs> I hope that's how it went. Oh, man. I I hope that that is true. And that's just not a legend. Because yeah, you said I, it, legend it is, has it. It does say legend has it. I, The Arsenal keeper definitely knocked himself out on the post. Okay. The spectator taking up his place might be slightly more apocryphal, as they say. Okay. Um, but one can hope. Man, that just reminds me of like going to a metal concert and somebody's in a mosh and gets knocked out cold. They come to a couple minutes later outside the venue. They're like, <laughs> "Oh man, that was awesome!" Jump right back into the mosh. Get me back in there. I've, I've witnessed it. <laughs> oh, oh, I've been. I've, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've, I've seen some stuff. I've seen some crazy stuff at hardcore shows. <laughs> So I got to pull a knife on a guy once. Oh goodness! He was carried out of the the guy who pulled the knife. Not he didn't he didn't manage to stab anybody. That's good. It That's is good. good. Yeah. It's for the best. Yeah. Uh, Dynamo saw the rest of the game out. Got the W. Wow. So they beat Arsenal. Big win. Four to three at White Hart Lane. <laughs> uh, they finished up their tour by playing a two-two draw against Rangers in Scotland at the Ibrox. Okay. Um, that was also some controversy, but so pretty much most people recognize that Lachishev definitely gave Moscow some favorable calls against Arsenal. Yeah. And that was the reason that Moscow won. Okay. Um, this time around, there was definitely a bunch of favorable calls that were going to Rangers. Huh. They got two penalties called for them, Ooh. only managed to convert on one. Um, but Dynamo still managed to get that draw and finish their four-game England tour undefeated wow. with draws against Chelsea and Rangers, victories against Cardiff City and Arsenal. That's crazy. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know what the English fans were expecting with a Russian USSR referee as, as the head referee for, for that Arsenal match. Right, like, yeah. There's no other reason why you'd want a, a a referee from your from your country. Well, they wanted. They, I mean, part of it was they wanted to play at least one one or two games under like Russian rules. Gotcha. So like stuff like subs, subs. Yeah. Um. Also like body checking the daylights out of people, which was pretty much fine. Like, yeah, that goes in English football at the time. Yeah, we literally just watched a video of two dudes punching each other in front of the referee in fairness that was ireland <laughs> <laughs> but still same thing the referee that, that, had him shake hands and 
the game went on. Not that not that England and Ireland are the same thing, but that English and Irish football are the same thing. Just oh, go with me on this one. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry to any English or Irish people out there. Oh man, I didn't mean it. We just lost some followers. I just lost some followers. <laughs> uh, the Russian press called the team's Pasovochka style organized dis- disorder. Um, this style was pioneered at Metallurg Moscow, and then. Again, at Dynamo Moscow by uh, Boris. Boris Arkadiev. Arkadiev? Sure. Yeah, let's go with it. Um, and then kind of continued and built upon by the coach at the time, Mikhail Yakushin, um, into that 4-2-4 style. Um, it opened many eyes in England as to like the realities that the game in Eastern Europe was just as good, if not more advanced, than... It was in England, huh. um, just because it was so out there. Innovative. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's also rumored that this style and and the Russian style of play in the 40s and 50s was the inspiration for the total football movement that Ajax in the Netherlands used yeah. and made famous in the 60s and 70s. That's really cool. That that wasn't like completely an original thing, that that was actually based on Russian Soccer. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. That is really cool. Um, the tour was so successful that midway through, Jules Ramey, the head of FIFA at the time. Yeah. Actually, founder of FIFA, I think. I don't know. Um, formally met with Soviet officials and asked them to join FIFA. They accepted. They qualified for the World Cup in 1958. In 1966, in England, they finished fourth. Wow. The Soviet Union's and I believe Russia's highest ever finish. But were they clean, though? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but were they clean, though? <clears throat> and, of course, 2018, Russia hosts the World Cup. Yeah. Was that bidding process clean? Mm. No. No, I'm just, it's just a hard no. FIFA's not clean. FIFA's so, not clean. Yeah. FIFA's the most corrupt organization yeah. ever. Yeah. The same could be said for probably most governments, too. So... It's just the world that we live in, I guess. And here we are. Earlier, you were the one that was like, it's not a politics podcast, it's not a politics <laughs> podcast. Everything is political. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and, so, uh, yeah. And that's the tea on uh, Dynamo Moscow's tour of England in wow. 1945. Yeah, that is cool. That game against Arsenal <laughs> sounds absolutely bonkers. <laughs> you know, we talked about... I just, like... I can't believe that the game happened, like that they let it go on as long as it did, and then so much stuff during the game that happened, with the guy sneaking back onto the field, then Moscow putting up like an 15. extra two or three people onto the field, and if the keeper really did stay knocked out and it was a fan that was in oh, goal, man. that would just be the cherry on top, honestly. It's like it feels like it was written by the people who wrote the Sandlot. <laughs> It's like movie-esque. Yes, very movie-esque. Wow. Are there any documentaries on it? There should be. I've, there's got to be. There has to be. I didn't watch any personally. Yeah. I was going off of several written accounts. Yeah. Uh, as we do. As we do. Sometimes I watch videos in my research, but other times I don't. Yeah. Of course. The story of Dynamo Moscow in England, wow. 1945. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And the lesson we learned from that is that... I don't know. The Russians were probably doping. 
<laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be poisoned or hopefully we'll be back next week in good health that's all that i'm saying <laughs> yikes we already risked life and limb to bring you this particular podcast because yes. there was a like a huge thunderstorm with like that rolled through the town. There was a bunch of trees. I'm actually surprised right before we started recording, there was a big thunder boom again. And I was like, uh, like yeah. the audio might be a wash on this one. Yeah. But, uh, Both of our houses were out of power. Thankfully, the place yeah. that we record has power. So Nice. It is very nice that we we're are. also charging our phones here. That we are also charging our phones here. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening to everybody that listens to this podcast. As always, Follow us on social media. We are at Deadball Pod pretty much everywhere. Uh, we now also should be soon up on Google Podcasts. Yeah, just waiting approval on Google Podcasts. We just created an email. Email account. Deadballpod at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions or comments on the pod, if you have any stories that you would want us to cover, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, uh, if we said something wrong or said something factually incorrect, please correct us. Yeah, We'll seriously. shout you out in the podcast. Um, also, if you'd be so kind as to drop us a review on wherever you are listening, we got our our first review um, from, I believe, Eric D. Wilkie. Eric, what a guy. My dude, Eric, said the podcast he didn't know he, he didn't know that he needed. Honestly, that one review Great made stuff. everything worth it. It really drew us, drew us beaming. I was beaming, so thank you, Eric. We're You're super, so kind. We're super, super pumped on that, just getting one review. If you would be so kind, go ahead and drop a few more reviews. Rate us, please, uh, if you want to rate us honestly and give us like that two-star you've been saving. Uh, let us have it, full barrels to the face. Um, but uh, otherwise, as always, I'm Adam. And I'm Drew. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be with you guys again next week. See ya. Peace.